we'll go grab one from the back there on that table back there because we are going to use those tonight. Somebody tell me what book we are in. First John. First John. Week number 10. This is the 10th and final week that we will be in the book of First John. We have finally hit the last part of John chapter 5. So let me start with a question. How many of you in here have ever had to persevere? All right. That leads to my next question. How many of you don't know what that word means? Okay, that's kind of what I thought. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I like to do. I, 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 there's people way smarter than me, so I went and looked up the dictionary definition. Um, they have those online. They used to be books that you would use, but now you can find it online. And here's what the dictionary said. It said, Perseverant, to persevere is to persist in a state, not like a physical state, but like what you're doing, in a state, enterprise, or undertaking in spite of counter-influences, opposition, or discouragement oh yeah you did now nah, that sounds familiar right so that that sounds like a good time doesn't it to, to to operate or to persist in spite of counter influences opposition or discouragement let's make it simple to understand it means that you keep moving forward you keep doing what it is you're doing in spite of difficult circumstances even when you're faced with opposition even when you're faced with things that it looks like the odds are stacked against you and there's no way you will ever get through what you're going through, to persevere means that you continue to push through. Now, let, let's be honest. We like the idea of persevering, don't we? I mean, think about it. Think about some of the movies that you watch. I was just thinking back through some different movies. Um, let's start with Toy Story. Who are, who are the two main characters in that movie? Woody and Buzz. And what are they trying to do in that movie? to get home. They're trying to get to Andy. And do they, do they have problems getting to Andy? Yeah. yeah, over and over and over. Woody and Buzz, they persevere. They push through difficult circumstances so that they can get to where they're going. Or how about this? Do we have any Lord of the Rings fans in here? No, some of y'all are like, no. Some of, okay, those of you who are actually cool, let's talk about Lord of the Rings for a minute. Um, who are the two main characters? Like, really, who are the two main characters? Sam and Frodo, thank you. And what is their goal? Destroy the ring. Do they have problems in that? Yes, all kinds of problems. If you've never watched the movies, start with the books first, please, and then go watch the movies. But that's what they do, is they persevere so that they can destroy the ring. If you don't know what I'm talking about it, I'm sorry. Your parents should have raised you better, okay? You need to go read those books. Now, or how about this one? Katniss Everdeen. Did you say Star Wars? No, I didn't go to Star Wars, but that's true too. So Katniss, what's her goal? What's her job? What's she trying to do? Win! Win! <laughs> yeah, right, it's like, uh, I don't know. Well, if, you, if you've read the books or watched the movies, her goal is to, to basically bring down the capital, right? And does she face problems with that? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No? You need to rent some movies, buddy. All right? So, <laughs> but think about that. Hey, or we could have gone Star Wars. We could have gone all of these different things. But in every one of those, whether it's the books or the movies, whatever your preference is, those people have to persevere. They have to push through seemingly impossible circumstances in order to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. And the reason that I think we love those stories is because those kind of stories give us hope. 
Because when we watch those things, we, we start to find ourselves kind of rooting for the main characters, like Woody and Buzz, yes, you have to get back to Andy. Woohoo! Everything's great. Yet we, we find ourselves wanting them to succeed because those kind of stories give us hope. Because if we can see other people or toys or whatever it is persevering and accomplishing the things that they've set out to accomplish, maybe, maybe we can do it too. Maybe we have what it takes in order to persevere and reach the goals that we're supposed to reach. And that's kind of what John is talking about tonight. As we get into the book of 1 John and finish out chapter 5, what we find really quickly is he's writing to this early church and he's talking to them and encouraging them to persevere. So let's start with the questions because this will be the last Wednesday night. I will ask you the questions about the book of 1 John. Okay? Who wrote this book? Allegedly, that's right. Now, we assume John wrote it, but 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, they actually don't have a, a known author. But because of the way they're written, because of the phrasings and the theology, they are very similar to the books of John and the book of Revelation. So these three books are credited to John. When do we believe it was written? 90 to 95 AD. 90 to, you were, man, you were excited about that one. 90 to 95 AD. Who was it written to? Church, believers, Christians, okay, that's right. Why was it written? To warn and encourage, okay? Remember, he was writing to warn them about false teachers, people who were coming in and they were twisting the truth of what Scripture said, and he was encouraging them to continue in what they knew. And that comes to our main three themes. What are they in this book? Truth, obedience, and love. So close. Truth, obedience, and love. He's telling them, hey, you need to pursue these things. In fact, what he's talking about in this passage tonight is he's saying, you need to persevere in these three things. Because these three things are what's going to keep you on track in your walk with God on a daily basis. So I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. And Mr. Peyton is going to come up and read for us tonight. Come on up, Peyton. Are they... They didn't clap for you. You didn't clap for me? Hey, it's not about you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Peyton, go ahead and read that for us, please. All right, verse 13 of chapter 5, 1 John. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have, have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that... He hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. Yeah, I read that right. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He's the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Oh, wait, yeah, I have to pray. Put that down. Oops. Do Lord, thank you for bringing us here tonight, God. Um, we ask that 
that you would open up our ears, give the words of Pastor Jesse that you want us to hear, open up our ears to um, take it in, God, and use it in the rest of the week. We thank you for the week you've given us, and we ask that you would watch over us and protect us throughout the rest of the week, God, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Mr. Payton. All right, y'all can have a seat. So let's, let's look at what's going on here where he's talking to these early believers, and, and he's He's calling them to persevere. And, and as we read this, that same calling falls on us as disciples of Jesus. So verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe. So he's talking to believers. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So what John is doing right here as he's getting into the very last part of this last chapter of this entire book is he's pointing them to really the previous verses from chapter five and really kind of the entire book that he's written so far. Because if you remember, we already talked about it. The, the focus of this book has been on obedience and love and truth. And what he's trying to help them remember is that as a disciple, as you live these things out in your life every single day, those things are evidence that you belong to God. As you are able to live those things out, they are evidence that there came a point in time where you understood that you were a sinner, that you could not fix yourself. You could not stop yourself from chasing after everything that glorified you and did not glorify God. And when you understood that, you understood that God created you to know him. And God sent his son Jesus to fix our sin to pay the price for our sin. Not that we won't ever mess up again, but to know that we've been forgiven once and for all. And that broken relationship that we have when we are born, when we are chasing sin, can be healed with God and we can know Him and be held by Him forever. He's saying when those things start playing out in your life, it is evidence that you've actually made that decision and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you're doing those things, practicing them regularly, you need to understand that's a pretty good evidence that you belong to God because you can't do those things on your own. You cannot consistently live obediently to the Word of God every moment of every single day because we are going to mess up. You cannot consistently show love to other believers because there's going to be somebody, maybe somebody in this room that you just want to throat punch one day. You know, you, you can't do it. And you can't consistently, consistently say this is the only truth that I believe because quite often we find Satan, we find the enemy telling us lies. And quite often we start to believe some of those lies. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit of God working in our life that we are able to do any of this. And that's what he's talking about right there in that first verse. But then he goes on to verse 14 and 15, and he says, you need to persevere in obedience. Let me show you what he's talking about there. He says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Now, what in the world does prayer have to do with obedience? Well, if you remember, or if you go back in your notes, if you took notes, when we were walking through this book earlier in 1 John 3, he wrote this in verse 21. He says, Beloved, if you, our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Remember, he was talking about coming to God with confidence in prayer. 
And he says in verse 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So where he's talking about prayer there in John, uh, 1 John chapter 5 and talking about how we can have confidence that God is going to hear us and God is going to answer the prayers that we bring before him, that goes back to what he's already talked about. And he says, if you want to have confidence that God is going to hear and answer your prayers, then that means you're living obediently to him. Because as we talked about before, when you're living obediently to God's word, there's this thing that happens in your life. It's called sanctification. That's a big theological word of God begins to conform your thoughts and your mind and your will to his. And as we are conformed into God's mind and God's will and his image, the things that we begin to ask God for are the things that God wants for our life. Now, you need to understand, this is not saying, and we talked about this before, this is not saying that anything you come to God with, if you're a believer and you ask him, he's just like this cosmic vending machine and say, here you go. I I think of it like this. How many of you recognize this book? How many of you have ever spent, if you can't see it, this is the Amazon's Holiday Dash with all the toys. Has anybody in this room ever spent like a long time going through circling everything you wanted for Christmas from your parents? And you casually, well, some of you, you just like here and shove it in their face. Some of you, you casually leave it open around the house, open to different pages and all of that. Have your parents ever gotten you every single thing you circled in this book? No. Yeah, it'd be great, right? I mean, I'm, I'm old, and there's some pretty cool stuff in here. It'd be neat. I'll give you my copy later, Kathleen. Um, but your parents, they know there's a lot of stuff in here that you want, but they're selective about what they give you because they know there's some things you're ready for, some things you're not ready for, some things you need, some things you don't really need. You just want them. Well, when we come to God in prayer, we don't always get everything we ask for. We don't always get everything we put before him. Because what God does is God understands what we want and what we really need. And what he's talking about right here is that as you are living obediently to God, you can have confidence that if you're coming to him in prayer, there's a chance that the things you are praying are the things that God already has lined out for your life. So you will see those answers. Now, as we've talked about before, God typically answers in one of three ways. He either says yes, he says no, or he says not yet. We don't always get the answer we want but we can always be confident when we are living obediently to God. When he hears our prayers, he answers them. And that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about living obediently so that you can have confidence when you go before God in prayer. You can approach him because you know you're living in obedience to his word. And obedience sometimes can be difficult. If you've walked with God for any length of time, you know there's going to be times where he's calling you to do things that are so out of your comfort zone, so just different than anything that you want to do that it's going to hurt. And yet it's in those times where you get the opportunity to submit to God's will in your life, even when that obedience means there's going to be pain. And that's what John is encouraging them to do. He's encouraging them persevere in obedience every moment of every day. But he's also encouraging them to persevere in love. Look at verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask 
and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. Now that starts to get a little bit confusing. But what John is talking about here is he's talking about your love being lived out for other people. Loving other believers enough, loving your, your, your fellow disciples, your peers, the people that are sitting with you every single week when you come to church and that you're walking through life together with God, loving them enough to pray for them when they're struggling. Loving them enough that when they're falling down, when they're hurting, when they're trapped in sin, when they're doing things that don't honor God, that you're going to pray for them. He's calling us to pray for their faith and to pray for their perseverance. Now, it starts to get a little confusing when he starts talking about the sins that lead to death and the sin that doesn't lead to death. Um, so I started looking into this just to make sure I had a better understanding. And really, the focus in everything I read was not the sins that don't lead to death, because we, we all know what those look like. Every one of us sins every single day. We know the little things, the big things that, that don't kill us. But when he's talking about the sin that leads to death, one theologian said it this way. He wrote, sin that leads to death is deliberate refusal to believe in Jesus Christ, to follow God's commands, and to love one's brother. Did you catch that? In that one sentence, you saw truth, obedience, and love. That's, that's what he's talking about when he's talking about the sin that leads to death. It's, a, it's a, an unwillingness in your life to obey God and pursue holiness. It's an unwillingness in your life to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, the authority of Scripture in your life. It's the refusal to love other believers. And the reason this says this is a sin that leads to death is this is not something that happens overnight. You don't just wake up one morning and say, you know what? I'm not going to trust Jesus today. I'm not going to live obediently to God. And I'm not going to like anybody else that says they do. You, you don't make that choice overnight. It's a drift. It's a slow fade to head away from God. In fact, the author of Hebrews put it this way in Hebrews chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1. They wrote, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. It's a slow fade that you stop spending time in God's Word. And when you stop spending time in God's Word, you stop living obediently to God's word. When you stop living obediently to God's word, you start, having a, you start struggling to love the people around you. And the reason you're struggling to love the people around you is because you've lost sight of the truth of who Jesus is. And you're not trusting in that truth. And that happens little by little by little. And that's why he's telling them, persevere in obedience. Persevere in in love because as you are spending time praying for someone else it's hard to hate people when you're praying for them i've heard this said before if you've got a problem with somebody and they're doing or acting in a way that that you don't like pray for them because god's going to do one of two things god's going to change their heart or he's going to change yours and that's true we have to persevere in love. That's what he's calling these believers to, and that's what he calls us to as well. We've got to love the people around us. We've got to pray for other people. We've got to lift them up so that the day comes that they're struggling, somebody is walking alongside them because, God forbid, there may come a day 
where you struggle and you need somebody to walk beside you. So we've got to persevere in obedience. We've got to persevere in love. And he goes on in verse 17. He says, all wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. All sin is rebellion against God. Every bit of it. And what we need to remember is that God's grace is big enough to forgive every sin that we ask him to forgive. So pray for others. Pray for their perseverance. And then he encourages these believers to persevere in truth. Look at verse 18. It says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. There's truth in that statement. When you ask God to forgive you of your sin, when you place your faith and trust in him, in that moment, scripture tells us you belong to God. He holds you and there is nothing that can take you out of his hand. You belong to him from that moment for eternity. But it's also in that same moment that you enter into a battle. And it is a battle that you will fight every single day for the rest of your life. It's the battle of your mind and your body wanting to pursue the pleasures of sin and the flesh instead of pursuing the holiness that God calls us to. And in that battle, there's going to be days, there's going to be times where you feel like you're losing ground, where you feel like you're failing, like you're never going to get out of whatever it is you're facing. And that's what Satan, that's what the enemy wants to convince you of. He will come at you with every single thing because he knows every single weak spot that you have. And it's different for everybody in this room. And yet we see right here the truth that when you belong to God, you're protected by God. You may struggle. You may have times where you might even suffer physically because of your decision to persevere. But no matter what happens, spiritually, you remain secure in Jesus. And there is nothing that can change that. Because Jesus is the one who protects and enables believers to persevere in the first place. Look at verse 19. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. There's two powers at play in this world. There's God and there's Satan. And those two powers are constantly at war. But you need to remember this. The only power that Satan has is the power that God allows him to have. Every time we see in Scripture where Satan starts messing with somebody, God has, he has to go to God first and get God's permission to mess with that person. The only power that Satan has is what God allows him to have. Now, why God allows Satan to have the power that he has sometimes, I don't know. But thankfully, God's the only one that has to have that answer. We don't. But we know those two powers are at war. And you and I, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you need to understand that you are living in enemy territory every single day. Like in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt and they were slaves for over 400 years, that was not the life they chose, and yet they still had to live it. Or, or Daniel, when he and his friends were, were captured and taken into captivity and trained in a new culture, new language, new way of life, they were in enemy territory every single day. It's not the life they chose, but they still had to live it. 
And in both of those situations, even in the midst of incredibly difficult circumstances, they trusted God. They persevered. And that's what God's calling us to do. Look at what it says in verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. We can persevere in truth because we can know this truth because God has allowed us to know this truth. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you didn't come to that realization that you needed that on your own. You're incapable of doing that on your own. Scripture tells us the only reason we even know that we need God, we need Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, is because God reveals it to us. He draws us to himself. He revealed it to every single one of us, and he reveals the truth of who he is and what Jesus has done. He revealed the truth of your own sinfulness and your own desperate need for him. And then look at how he finishes this entire book. We see the love that he has for these people. He says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Because think about it for a second. If you're focused on an idol, and I'm not talking even just a little statue, I'm talking about all of the different things that our heart wanders to. You're not focused on obedience to God. You're not focused on his truth, and you're not going to be focused on his love. That's why he ends this book the way he does. He says, don't get distracted. If you belong to God, don't get distracted. Don't chase after wrong understandings of who God is and what Jesus has done because your life, your salvation, your eternity, it's not about you. It's about God. Every bit of this, everything we've walked through in the last 10 weeks, this entire book, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about the glory of God. That's what our lives are supposed to be about. That's what our salvation is supposed to be about. He's saying, hold fast to the one true God. Hold fast to the truth of who he is and who he's revealed himself to be in his word. Don't let yourself be distracted. Don't be distracted from who he is and what he's called you to be. You are called to be his disciple that clings to this truth, the only truth that is in existence. You are called to be his disciple and to be obedient to his word. You are called to be his disciple that loves other disciples. All the things that John has written, everything that we've gone through in the last 10 weeks, John says, focus on truth, love, and obedience. And if you will do that, you will persevere. You will be able to handle anything that Satan throws at you, any life circumstance, anything that happens, anything that rocks your world that makes absolutely no sense and you don't know why God would let that happen. If you will persevere in these things, nothing will move you. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, and we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that even when other things don't seem to make sense, you are always constant, you are always true, and you always love us. And God, I pray for 
every single one of us in this room tonight. God, help us to persevere. Help us to trust you. Help us to live obediently to you even when life doesn't make sense. God, help us to know that your truth never changes and help us to know that you love us and give us the ability to love others. God, help us to know that you are there no matter what. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.